Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Just Saying Podcast. This is Jay Money here. Um, since this is the first episode, you know, I wanted to share a little bit about myself and my struggle and uh, how it took me to get to get to this point and uh, you know uh, how 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 it how I lived in fear how how fear uh, consumed me and overwhelmed me and actually became uh, really my life uh, was wrapped around it it was cocooned around fear and and it stopped me from doing so much in my life. Uh, but uh, what some people don't know about me is simply this: um, I had a great, I had I had a, a great, uh, well, I, I had had a great life when I was you know eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty one, something all you know twenty two, in those years. Um, and, you know, like anybody else out there, and I'm sure those that are, that are going to listen in, I'm, I'm sure you had your share of mistakes. I'm sure you went through uh, many times in your life uh, to this up to this point um, where you could you could sit back and, and and reflect on things you would like to change, things you wish you could have done different. Um, you know. You could probably even say that you have aspects in your life that has consumed you, that has kept you from uh, reaching a certain goal or your dreams or being successful and et cetera. In which now, as I've gotten older, I realize that, you know, I can blame that on that, but that's still no excuse. I still have, uh, I'm still, you know, still young. I'm not old and I still have a whole lot of life to live. And so I, I just sitting here one day, and I was I decided that you know it was time to get up and start doing something with my life, and and I think that I can I can have a time in in my life where you know I want to help people, I want to reach out to people, and I want to share what I've been through and what I've endured in my life. Um, you know, growing up, I didn't have the best childhood. Uh, my mother wasn't around, and and and. You know, even though now my mother is around and we've made amends um, and I love my mother dearly. Let me just put that out there. I love my mother dearly. Uh, my dad, he wasn't around too much either. He consumed himself in his work after their divorce. And so um, growing up, I had a bunch of younger siblings I had to take care of and I had to become a, an adult very early on. Um, I had a lot of responsibilities I really didn't get to know or, or to uh you know, experience a child like childhood. Um, I've always had a whole lot of responsibilities in my life, and and I think that that kind of made me like a little weird person. Um, <laughs> and I say that I say that you know, uh, not jokingly, but in a sense of the matter, maybe. But um, yeah, I think in my childhood, you know. Um, you know, I, I kind of let some of the struggles I faced as as growing up, and some a lot of the experiences I missed out on growing up, um, affected uh, my path that I took. Um, but uh, you know, I wouldn't trade it for nothing in the world because my younger brother and siblings mean the world to me. They they're more my children than they'll ever be a sibling to me. Um, 
raising them and taking care of them, providing for them became my life. It consumed my life, and I enjoyed every bit of it, and I love them. So shout out to to my younger siblings. Uh, they know I love them. They know that they mean the world to me. Um, but um, and you'll get to meet them because uh, I'm planning on having one of, one of our episodes and let you uh, get to know them a little bit. And but anyways, uh, you know it's just. I struggled a lot growing up and, and, and until I was able to, I think the one biggest issue I had was uh, trying to define myself as a person, as an individual, uh, you know, trying to uh, mold myself into who I wanted to be and what I wanted to be. And, um, you know, I finished school and, uh, you know, I, I went to work, I went to college. Um, I finished that, uh, just, you know, different classes and things and went to work in the medical field for a little while. And I enjoyed that. And then, um, I even, uh, had become a pastor, uh, later on in, in life. And, uh, I did that for several years and, uh, and then I, I began to, realized that I was uh, severely depressed and I had realized this uh, probably by the time I was 18 19 years old but I suppressed the, the issue and um, you know it wasn't so severe I, I, don't, I don't reckon and uh, I, I was always like really shy as far as trying new things and uh, but you know here, here's the here's the crazy part about that is I, I'm a performer, I, I, I'm a musician, I'm a singer, and uh, I used to travel all over the country uh, performing and singing, and you know I became this this whole whole different person when I was on stage performing, and when I was behind the pulpit even ministering, I, I became a whole different individual. But when it was one-on-one -on -one contact or doing something that I wasn't comfortable with, I, I, I just, I, I let fear overwhelm me and it consumed me. And I would never try anything new, um, you know, and I would have to make myself literally do the concerts and the shows that I did. Um, and, and I was able to eventually overcome that, that uh, little stage fright episode there for a couple of years I had. But I was raised around that. You know, I was raised around, you know, uh, music and, and church and performing in church. And, and so it wasn't something that was totally new to me. Um, and then I wanted to get into different things. I wanted to get into uh, some different genres of music and try different things, try different, maybe some acting, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, even doing YouTube videos and so forth, you know, it's like, it's like when I get ready to record something, it's like, what are people going to think? What are, what's an individual? You know, I mean, what am I going to do as an individual to, to draw people in to, to uh, notice me, to want to be a part of my life? Uh, you know, what can I do to inspire others? And, you know, I realized that, you know, I, everything I did uh, was, I questioned. I was so afraid of what other people may think of me, and and, and it def, it became to it became to defile my character. It became to define my life, 
because in, in, instead of me trying new things or, or trying to reach out to do other things, I would just say, okay, you know, um, yeah, I'm not doing this. You know, this ain't me. But in all aspect, I knew I was born to perform. I knew I was born to to entertain. That's what I am meant to do. And, you know, and so from that that moment on in my life, I started, you know, trying to uh, – to to reach my dreams and to reach my goals that I had set for myself. But, you know, it really, you know, I took a path that I thought would, you know, lead to greatness and, and different things. And, and it's not, and let me put this out there, it's not fame and fortune that I see. It's inspiration and love and, and, and sharing, the, the spreading the world with kindness and uh, showing people that there is a different way to take in life. You don't always have to take the path that is dealt in front of you. And I've heard so many people in my life say, well, this is the path life gave me and I had to take it. Well, no, you don't, because we all have a choice. Every individual, every single person that you know in your life today, including yourself, has a choice. And there's no reason that you have to accept that you are defeated or you can't reach your goals or you cannot uh, be successful you can't reach your you know you there there is no excuse because now now having said that now i know there there is bad things that happen to good people but i am i am one sitting here to talk to you and letting you know that i am the prime example of bad things that happen to good people but now do you allow that to overcome you or do you or do you allow or you do you become that that individual that overtakes it and overthrows it see that's that's totally up to you you can you can either accept the cards you've been dealt and play them and be like okay or you can fold that hand and deal a new game see that that's that's what i'm saying that's up to us and, you know, so I used to think that way in, in some point in my life, too, that, you know, I was dealt this, this hand and now I've got to play it. But uh, a man, a wise man one time told me, he said, you know, if you're not happy with the hand you've been dealt, fold it, you know, fold it and then deal a new game. So I encourage you to do the same as well, you know. But yeah, fear consumed me. It became a part of my life. And I got to a point where even in front of my own family, I was... I was, you know, quiet. I never spoke out about anything. I mean, now, I, I just, I knew that I was, there was more to me. There was more to my life. And I needed to find that path. I needed to find something because I had never really been through any major crisis in my life uh, up to this point, you know, up to 22, 23 years old. Everything had been okay. Been, you know, other than my mother leaving and my dad not being around and then him remarrying and, uh, you know, me having to give up my childhood to be a responsible adult at the age of six, seven, eight years old. And, and you know, and as I said earlier, I, I don't at all, at all, and let me, let me stress this very clearly, at all regret any of that because it's made me, um, it's, it's made me who I am today as a caring and loving individual. And I, and I thank God for that moment. Uh, 
but fear had overwhelmed me, and I was scared to try anything. And, and I had always wanted to to go out and and, and explore the world and uh, audition for you know movies or, or commercials or perform in, in big arenas and different aspects of things in you know different areas in, in, in this country. You know, and things were going great. It was going, it was going real good. And but I didn't realize that I had suppressed the depression that I had faced as a child, and the the you know, and the fear had caused so much depression in my life. And I was never happy with anything I'd done, um, even when I finished college or finished high school. And yeah, those are great accomplishments. But, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't satisfied. I wasn't happy because it wasn't who I was. It, it wasn't who I am. And, and, and the depression began to grow. Uh, the more I tried to suppress it, the, the more it, it came out, the more it, it fought me, the more and, and the worse it got. Um, and I started taking medications for it and, and, you know, and it started helping and then it stopped helping. You know, you know how it goes taking medication. And I let these, these so I just decided, you know, I, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to try anything new. I'm not, not going to reach out for nothing. You know, uh, I'm just going to, you know, stay where I'm at in my life. I've got, you know, a good job. I'm ministering, preaching. Uh, i got a good church. Uh, you know, I can deal with this. So I got to a point where I got comfortable and I said, okay, well, you know, I'm going to settle. And that's where we mess up as an individual a lot of times in life is we settle. And, and it's due to the fact that either fear has over, has cocooned us and consumed us. And it has became, you know, it has totally took leadership of our life. Um, and, you know, and that's just completely... Sometimes what happens, and, and you know, sometimes we can't heal uh, the hands that we have been dealt in life, but we can. We don't have to accept the hands we've been dealt in life. Does that make sense? I, I hope so. Um, this is my first, you know, very first ever podcast episode, so uh, you have to bear with me. But um, yeah, I was I was at that point in my life where I thought, you know. I'm okay. I, I I can do this right here. What I'm doing already, and you know, it's just hey, it is what it is. But little did I know that there was a path, a much deeper path that I would take, before realizing my worth in life, what I really was worth, and what I would become, and who I can become. And you know, I had growing up my whole life, I had always had you know issues with making, you know, not really making friends, but getting close to anyone. And I think that had a lot to do with my childhood as growing up because I was always the person that had to make decisions and do what was right for everybody else. I never had any time to do anything that was right for me. And I never knew what it was like to to um, you know get attached to someone or get close to someone. And, you know, um, I had a couple of family members. My grandpa, for one, was my hero, and, and I love him to death. And I miss him. Uh, he's been dead now for several years, but he 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 was my my great mentor, and you know he was probably the closest person I had ever been to in my life. Even to this day, uh, he's you know 
he's probably been closer to me than any girlfriend or anybody I've ever had in my life. And, you know, so I, I always struggled with that issue. I, I wasn't close to my family, a lot of my family. I wasn't, even even in my front of my, my siblings, who I raised as my own children, who knew me better than anybody, I still was cut off from them. I still was fearful to be who I wanted to be or who I am in front of them. Because I like to cut up a lot of times. And see, a lot of people don't know that about me, is I like to make videos that make people laugh and make people happy. And and can do those things, but because of fear of what my family would think or what my friends would think or what everybody else would think, I never stepped out of my comfort zone and tried that. I always stuck and stayed. I always stuck, stuck. What in the world? Forgive me. I always stayed where I um where I where I was comfortable at. You 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 understand what I'm saying? Where I was, where I felt like I could be more most useful, and well, little did I know it's sometimes it's not about being useful is it is about trying brand new things in life and it's okay for someone to say you know tell you no because no is not the end it's okay for somebody to tell you you're not good or you know basically you just totally suck simple as that I've had people say you suck but I've also had those people to tell me man you, you're amazing you're funny you have an amazing talent you have an amazing voice you know, you, you need to pursue this. This is what you're you're born to do. And and when I post videos a lot of times on Facebook and YouTube and I don't get a whole lot of views and a whole lot of likes, it gets me depressed. And I'm thinking, well, is it because I am I terrible? Is people really not like to hear the way I sing or whatever, or et cetera, whatever I'm doing? And I don't think it's that. I, I'm you know, I'm I'm realizing that it's maybe just because my audience ain't as broad as I need it to be. And so yeah, I, I struggled a lot in life, and I, I faced a lot of, um, you know, hardships that was soon to come um, later on, you know, down the road. And, and I think it was all because I decided to, to suppress my depression, let fear overwhelm me, let it become me instead of me becoming it. You know, I... Uh, it was uh, Franklin Roosevelt that said, you know, the only thing to fear is fear itself. And, you know, I never really understood that statement until I got older in life. And, you know, I had to learn to be a conqueror and not be a victim to, you know, being conquered. And so I decided, you know, later on that, you know, I wasn't going to, I decided recently that I wasn't going to fear you know, stop me from trying new things. So what if I'm not good at it at first? That doesn't mean that's the end. So what if people don't like what I have to say or sing or, or, or do? There is people going to. I guarantee that. I guarantee you there's going to be people who's going to enjoy who Jay's money is as an individual. So, you know, that's why I started this podcast because I want to give people a voice. I have a voice. I want to use my voice. I want to give people a voice and let people tell me, you know, what they want to hear about, what they want to talk about, what they want to, you know, how they want to go about, what, what they want to listen to, what they want more of. Because it's not about me. It's about you as an individual. And that's what my podcast is about. That's why it's called Just Saying. Because Just Saying is an opinionated podcast. 
it's it's you know it's more or less not just opinionated, but it's my beliefs, my feels, and, and we're gonna talk about everything that goes on around us and, and what's going on around us and personal stories and personal issues and overcoming and uh you know et cetera et cetera et cetera. But so you know yeah I had I had a great life uh you know by the time I you know from sixteen to I guess 22, 23, as I said, and even though I was depressed and living in fear, I was you know, financially okay. I was doing all right um, as far as friends and family and center. You know, I was I was settled. I was comfortable, and um, but I wasn't me. I wasn't happy, and it took you know a, a very dark path and dark road to make me realize, you know what I was, who I could become, um, it, it took, you know, I took a path that I'm not happy with, and that I'm ashamed of, and I've done terrible things, things that people who knew me before would never have thought I'd ever try or do or become, and sometimes I think God allows us to go down these paths um, in order to mold us to who we need to be, and who we need to become, and you know, and that's okay. Um, you know, sometimes we gotta face hardships. We gotta face, uh, you know, these bad things we run from. We gotta face them head on. We can't live in fear. Sometimes we have to face them head on because whether we know it or not is when we learn to face them head on. That's when we begin to be the conqueror. That's when we become the conqueror. We start dealing with it. We start. Uh, taking it one step, you know, at a time, one day at a time, and 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 it's molding us into an individual and a unique individual. And so, you know, by the time I was twenty three, um, I had met some people that, and you know, I was still pastoring at this time. So I, I met some people that, um, well, I, I had I had known. Some of their family members, uh, I had actually been part of my church at one time, and um, so. But I met this, this, uh, some other individuals uh, that was part of their family, and um, I started taking painkillers. Um, and you know, it was just to start out with. It was just popping one in my mouth. You know, I get by that every couple of days. I pop one in my mouth, and it do the trick. And, be like, yeah, you know, this is this is good right here, and I was like, yeah, you know, but this, you know, at first I was skeptical. I was like, no, nah, this ain't what I want, you know, and I began to realize, you know, well, I thought this is what I began to think. Let me put it that way. Not really realize, but think. I was like, oh, you know, when when I'm when I'm high, I feel happy. I'm happy, even if it's for a brief little bit, if it's 30 minutes to an hour, hour, two hours, whatever, I'm happy. And I, I didn't realize at that time, just starting out, that there was only, you know, it was, it was, little did I know that it was only suppressing my depression even worse. And making me become an individual that I had no idea I would ever become. And hitting me down a path that would not, not only would I 
would I not only live, you know, be more fearful, fearful in life, and be more depressed than I have ever been, um, my problems would always be there when I when I came off that high or when I woke up the next day. So I started experimenting with painkillers and, and alcohol, and uh, you know, I started off light as most people do, and you know. Uh, I remember the first time I ever uh, took one. Uh, it was a, a, a an oxycodone deal, Percocet painkiller that uh, a girl had gave me, and uh, she said, "Take it," you know, encourage me to take. I was like, "No, I don't really need it." She said, well, "It's for pain." I was talking, I was like, uh, "You know, when you get something out of your hand, you start examining yourself, you know, mentally, like, oh, my leg is hurting." I got an ache in my back. That's how I, you know, pop it in, take a little swallow of water, boom. You know, it's all good. But, oh, wow. It's amazing. I had this flashback, you know, of, you know, sitting there on, on the sofa. And it took him like, I guess, like 30. It took him probably took him an hour, hour and a half to convince me to finally take it. I, I took it. And, you know, I was like, well, I, was like I don't feel nothing. It's like, you got to give it time. You know, it's got you to gotta work. You know, you got to give it time to, to get in your system. You know, about 30 minutes went by, and I started feeling like, whoa. I was like, I was like laying on the couch, and I was looking around. I was like, all right, yeah, I can get used to this. Like, whoa. But then I was like, wait a minute. You know, I was, then I, 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 I was very scared. You know, I started really, really becoming scared. And I was like, I don't want to die. I was like, oh, God, oh, God, y'all kill me. Y'all give me something. Poison me. Y'all trying to kill me. Y'all kill me. Y'all trying to kill me. You know, I had never really, you know, I was 23, 24 years. I ain't never took no pain medicine or nothing like that. It's like, y'all going to kill me. Y'all going to kill me. Never mind, you know, I'm still, I still got the church at this time, you know. And, I, you know, I was like. I was I was freaking out. I was scared. I went all over the place. I was like, "Oh God, y'all gonna try to y'all trying to kill me? Y'all trying to murder me? What would y'all do that for? Y'all supposed to be my friends." And I didn't. I mean, they really wasn't my friends. I only know them for a little while, for you know, a couple of days at this point. And why would I take something from somebody I only knew a couple of days? It's beyond me. But you know, I, I'm always says says I'm always the one that said uh, would tell my younger siblings and stuff that everything in life happens for a reason. Nothing is by mistake. You understand what I'm saying? So, you know, I took that and, and it progressed, you know, it got worse and worse. I take more and more as the days went by, weeks went by, I was taking more. I was putting, it got to a point where I was, you know, putting eight, nine, ten tablets in my mouth at a time, chewing them up. It sounded like a horse, man. I had a guy look at me and said, man, you are a machine. And I thought, well, that's the coolest thing anybody can say. I mean, like, people like me, you know? I'm making friends. I'm happy. Uh, and, uh, I don't, I don't fear any, I don't feel any fear. I mean, this is what, this is what I've been needing in my life. This is it. You know, I got everybody around me. You know, everybody's wanting me to, you know, eat all these pills, you know. And at that time, I was financially okay. I was doing good. So I had money. And little did I know, that's the reason that an addict wants you around. <laughs> At that time, I've never been around no addicts. I've never been around uh, anything like that, much stuff as, as you know, 
as far as drugs go. They know a whole lot about it. And, uh, you know, I, I was like, okay, yeah, you know, I got my people now. I'm, I'm gaining a lot of friends, a lot of trust. I'm, I'm happy. And, and on, the, on the bonus for, you know, on the bonus side, I get to, to be high, you know. And before I knew it, it, it started consuming me. I was uh, calling up ahead of the church, like, yeah, I'm going to be there tonight. I was canceling services. And I was just, just doing all kinds of crazy things. And eventually, you know, I, I started, you know, I was taking so many of them. And, uh, people were like, I can't believe you could you know, eat that many at one time. So yeah, you have no idea. And then I got it got to the point where eating them wasn't enough. So, you know, um, at this time, you know, none of them ate them. They snorted everything up their nose. So, uh, so you know, I, I remember I went into a room one time and the girl was sitting there and she snorted. And I said, "Does that work better?" Because I tell you, I took eight of them and I don't feel nothing. It's because your body gets immune to it, you know. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is way better. And so I took a couple, and I busted them down the nightstand or dresser. And right there, the nostril they went. Instantly, boy, I could feel it. You know, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is a lot better. So that took place, you know, kept grasping and going and going and going. And then they, they that, as you know, didn't last long either. Finally got immune to it. And at that time, I realized, uh, you know, I didn't want to go to church anymore. I didn't want to do that lifestyle anymore at all. Um, I was happy. It's the first time I had been happy. It's the first time I had felt like, you know, anybody. I felt important to people. I didn't, you know, the whole time I was being used, but I didn't even, I didn't know I was being used at that time. I just thought, oh, you know, they like me. They like, they think I'm funny, you know. I wanted attention and I got it. You know, you got to be careful because uh, what you ask for sometimes because you just might get it. And so, you know, it was just getting bad. And, and you know, I eventually, um, the, the church eventually closed down. And, uh, which, you know, I wasn't going to be no hypocrite. One thing that I, I've had, I always had learned in my life growing up is you, you can't straddle a fence. You're either in or you're out. Either there or you're not. You know, so I was, I was out. <laughs> Simple as that. I was out. I was, I was it. Didn't, didn't want no more. Didn't, didn't want it at all. I wasn't happy with it. I thought I was, but it wasn't until I started experimenting with drugs that I thought I. This is what real happiness is. This is what happiness is. I got all kind of got, you know, hundreds of people want to be around me. Yeah, I'm ashamed. But it didn't stop there. So it got worse. It grew worse. And worse. And I snort more and more and more and more a day. And at that time, it was a big, uh, Round, it was the olive, uh, oval shaped white Percocet pills. Uh, you know, that's what we were messing with, experimenting with. And then, you know, uh, then they started coming out with them uh, the 
Roxy could have done, which is uh, the progress they had without Tylenol. Little bitty ones, you know, powerful, a whole lot stronger. And, you know, you're busting them down, snorting them, eating them, eating and snorting at the same time. And I got to a point where that was, it wasn't working. We were consuming more and more every day. And so, um, I made a dude, um, won't mention no names, but I made a dude that, um, consumed his in a whole different way. He had been experimenting with drugs for several years. And, um, so, that was, he was telling me, he's like, you know, there's a whole better way to, to do that. He said, you can take one of, you know, you're, you're consuming four or five of them, uh, you know, up your nose or down your throat. Uh, you know, there's a way you can do it with one and a half and feel the same feel, you know, if not more than what you, you're you consuming of your nose for four or five of them. I was like, yeah, really? I can feel good? I was like, yeah, probably even better. I was like, which way is that? I mean, how's, how, how do I do that? He's like, he stretched out his arm in front of me. I'll never forget. He was waving his arm in front of me. I was like, this man's crazy. Like, what is he doing? Because I, I, I wasn't around that stuff. I didn't know much about it. And he was waving his arm, waving his arm in front of me. And I noticed he had this long line way down the middle of his arm. Now, being in the medical field, I know exactly what it was. It's a trap mark. And I was like, wow. So, you shoot up. He's like, well, duh. You know, it's, it's, that's the only way to do it. I was like, man, I, I said, get out of here with that nonsense. I ain't shooting up nothing. He said, oh, I said, ain't no need of one in my arm. He's like, all right, man. Well, you keep popping, 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 popping them. And, you know, I'll sit over here and do less and less and less. And, I'm guarantee you I'll be a lot higher than you know, I'll be more higher than you are. I was like, oh, okay, whatever, do what you gotta do. So that went on, you know, did that a few more days. I kept snorting, kept popping them, kept snorting, kept popping them. It just wasn't getting the effect anymore. Chasing that dragon. You feel me? Chasing that dragon. And uh, finally one day he, he had come over and he was looking for something. And um, I have a few, and he said, well, sell me a couple. I, I said, oh, yeah, I will. I said, tell you what, I'll give you one. You know, I'll give you one if you show me how to do that. It's like, what? You know what you do? I said, but I ain't, I ain't, I said, I don't know how to do it at all. I said, I don't know, I wouldn't know where to start. I know it had involved a, a syringe, a spoon. And a lighter. <laughs> and I was like, but as far as how to fix the cocktail or how to do it, how to consume it, I, you know, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I know how to, to, to you know, draw the hit the vein. Because I was in the medical field. I did that. And uh, he said, uh, all right, all right, that's deal, 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 deal. You know, you know how addicts are. Deal, deal, I'll show you. So 
He took one. He said, well, as many as you consume, he said, you probably do one and a half. You'd be good. He said, you probably do two or three. And you'd be all right. He said, well, I'm going to do one and a half for you. Because he put it in his spoon and took the end of his lighter and busted down. And then he took the syringe. He had a brand new syringe on it. Cause I went, I've never shared a syringe. I wanted to put that out there. Not Actually, I take that back. I have shared a syringe. My girlfriend's syringe. That's the only person I've ever shared. I've been, I've been checked, and I thank God for that. It's been years ago, and I, I'm just, I'm being real with you. I, I, you're gonna get to know me. I'm being straight up real with you. I did share a, a couple times actually with her, and um, but um, don't ever do that. Okay, if you're listening to this and you have an addiction and you are, uh, and you shoot up. Don't ever share, not even your spouses or your children or whoever you, you use with. Never share a syringe because there is very highly deadly diseases and viruses out in this world. That, and one of the worst ways to get AIDS and, and, and hep C and stuff is sharing a syringe, you know, that you're, you're drawing each other's blood up in. So... But yeah, he he busted it down in a spoon. He took the syringe, his brand new syringe. He opened it up, poured the water up in it. Down there for me, put like 100 cc's of water. Poured it on there, put some lighter on there. Took the end of his cigarette. I was like, "What are you doing?" And pulled out a filter, pulled took a piece off of him, put it down, poured it up. And I was like, "Yeah, you know, I knew you had to filter it." And and, and the filter is to keep, you know, any of the trash and all that stuff out of you. Out of you. you know, you don't want to shoot that in your blood. Doing that as it can cause you to be very sick or, or kill you. And I've had that happen. I've been extremely sick. You don't, you're not, you're not drawing up the powder. No way. You're, you're drawing up the dope. And only the dope. So, you know, it. It consumed, uh, so he fixed it up. I'm sorry, I had something going on. He consumed it. In the background, yeah. So he um, fixed the new cocktail up. The spoon, pulled it all up, and um, boom, stuck it in my arm, pulled back a little bit of blood, pushed it in, and I was like, oh god, whoa, I'll never forget, I was like, oh lord, and my head was like spinning, I was like, oh no. Oh, no, I think I've done too much. Oh, no. He's like, no, nah, man, uh, you didn't do too much. I was like, oh, yeah, I, I've done way too much. Huh? And, you know, I, was, I was terrified. I was freaking out. And the next thing I know, uh, I was calm and, and I was nodding. I, was, I didn't realize it at the point. I was like nodding. I was sleeping. I was like, okay, do this. And that's how that started. So I started. Uh, I I didn't even eat them anymore, or snort any any anything anymore. It was straight to the needle from that point on. 
shooting up, shooting up, shooting up every every day. And it went from one to one and a half to two, two and a half to three, to a point where I was doing five or six, you know, um, oxycodone, 30 milligrams in a spoon at a time. And, I mean, I would hit the floor on my knees and just nod out and, and pass out for two or three hours and, and then come back and, you know, do it again. You know, that was my life. And it had become my life. I mean, it had become every day. And, you know, at that point, you know, I didn't realize that I had, you know, really had a major problem. I didn't realize how addicted I had become to opiates. And um, so uh, I started, you know, uh, I, well, to be honest with you, I, uh, it got to a point where I lost my job. And I had a lot of um, you know, assets uh, when I lost my job. You know, I was okay for a while. I knew I'd be okay for a while. But, you know, before I knew it, I, I mean, I was uh, selling stuff, uh, you know, to make sure I had money to buy my, uh, my, my painkillers. And then it got to a point where painkillers wasn't working anymore. And I was having to shoot and consume more of them. And, you know, I had, I had crossed people's paths um, along the road. Um, they had ex they experimented with, with heroin, heroin and, and other big drugs. And I was always scared of that stuff, so I never would try. And I remember one day in particular, um, I was, I had, I had done, sold off uh, so much stuff. I barely had anything left. I was so sick. I couldn't afford to buy any painkillers off the street uh, and at this time I was you know getting painkillers from the doctor and I would uh, go through them so fast uh, even my, my girlfriend at the time was getting them we would go through them so fast it would be out by you know, a couple of weeks after getting them and you know so I didn't have no money I was sick and um, uh, without saying um, Someone shows up at my house, uh, a known heroin addict, and uh, had some uh, heroin on it. And uh, you know, I, I was always fearful that I never, I didn't allow that in my house. If I knew you had it on on you, you could come in. Um, and I never experimented. I never was going to try. It. I had made my mind. You know, pills was enough. Uh, wasn't about to try nothing no stronger. I didn't need another addiction, and um, but that day, that in that particular day, that I'll never forget. I was so sick. I had been about two days, and had had nothing. I think one pill, two days. And if you know anything about an addiction, if you don't, within I think it's the first, you know, when you get your body to consume that much opiate. You'll, you'll go in withdrawals within less than the first 24 hours. And if you've never experienced an opiate withdrawal, okay, it's different from any kind of methamphetamine or crack cocaine. The withdrawals are tremendously different. Um, coming off an opiate withdrawal, you, you become so sick, um, weak even, to the point where you're, you're, you're crapping on yourself, throwing up. Um, you, you have no energy, you have no motivation, you have, you can't get up, your, your nose is running constantly, uh, you're sweating, you're 
sweat. You know, you got the cold sweats. Uh, you can't sleep. Your legs start shaking and they start aching, and every bone in your body starts to hurt. And that day, um, he happened to come by and see how I was doing, you know, just see how what we was up to. And I was so sick that I couldn't even go to the door. My girlfriend had to go, and um, he had, you know, he was he knew we were sick. He could tell. He's like, whoa. He looked at us. He's like, whoa. You guys, you're sick, ain't you? I was like, yes, very, very sick. And um, <laughs> he said, well, I got something on me. I was like, you better not have that, you know, you better not have that on you, bro. And he's like, look, man, I, I got something on me. He said, I'm telling you, you don't have to do much. He said, just, just do a little dab and... Uh, just to take your sickness away. He said, he said, I'm just telling you, snort a little dab. He said, you know, you ain't even got to shoot it up. Just take the snort your little dab and everything will be all right. All right? And you'll you'll feel a lot better. It's like, nah, man, you know, nah, nah, nah. Well, my girlfriend's like, yeah, yeah, you know, cut me out of line. And I said, you really? I mean, I was so mad. I was like, you really going to do that? No, no way. Why are you going to do that? What are you becoming? Look at you. Look at your life. And she's like, and she said something, she turned around, she said, look at my life, look at our life. We're already at the bottom. Where can we go from here? Little did I know, we had a lot further to go to hit rock bottom. We were nowhere near rock bottom at that point in our life. And um, so they went into the bathroom. We had two French doors on our bathroom and two big French doors. And they went in, they shut the door. And uh, then when she came out, she, they was... Ten minutes later, and boom, it's like it's like difference between night and day. She was a whole, totally different person. And she's like, "Whoa!" She, first time we ever tried it. She's ever tried it. She's like, "Oh my god!" She's like, "This is way better." People, she said, "I feel so much better because you know when you when you're in withdrawals, and as soon as you get that opiate, boom, immediately you start feeling better." Hey, I mean, that I would. I would feel start feeling better just knowing I was on my way to get some, uh, but you know. And I was like, "You feel better that quick already?" She said, "Yeah." And she said, "I feel good too." And my homeboy was like, "Come on, come on, Jay, come on, come on, man. You know, don't let her be sick. I can help you with a little bit." He said, "You know, just just a tad's all it takes for this." He's like, "I'm gonna need more than a tad. I mean, I do ten pills a day." He's like, "No, I'm telling you, all you need is a tad." Tad, just a tad bit of this. I was like, really? He's like, really? And, I, and at that point, he'd done been, he'd done been there about two hours. I was like, you know what? A little bit. I said, oh, I'm just a little bit. And I was like, I took my thumb and my, my, my finger, uh, my pinky, and I was like, just that much. I put them together. I was like, just that much. He said, all right, all right. So we walked in the bathroom, poured me a little bit on the counter. He's more than that for that. He's like, I was like, well, I was like, whoa, that's too much. He's like, nah, man. I said, like, I've heard so much about this stuff. He said, yeah, but it's just something that you do, man. He said, you're doing nothing off it. So, I, um, I said, all right, all right. I said, you sure I ain't gonna die? He's like, I asked him that like six times. I like, you sure I ain't gonna die? He's like, well, I can't 100% say you're not going to. He said, but I'm 90% sure. I said, well, brother, I don't know about that. I was like, you know what? You know, she did it. She didn't die. So, there I go. Instantly. With, I mean, just seconds. 
I felt great. And I was like, oh, it's a warm sensation hit my body, my head. It's like the first time I ever did a pee on my head. Went to warm tingling and it just like electricity going through my body. I was like, I looked at him, I was like, that stuff's that good. He's like, Yeah, it's that good. He said, Now there's some bad stuff out there you gotta be careful of. He said, I'm telling you, he said, compared to, you know, at that time pills were a dollar milligram. He's paying if it was a ten milligram, he's paying ten dollars for it. You know, once in a while you look up, get them cheap. And I was getting some cheap, you know, for 30 milligrams, I'd pay $15 for them and charge people $30 for them. And but then it got to the point where pills were a dollar a milligram. People were paying nowadays at $2 a milligram. But, you know, he's like, I'm about a $20 bag of this or a $10 bag of this. And, and heroin is it's points. A $20 bag is a point. And a uh, $10 bag would be half a point. He said, I'm about a point of this or half a point of this. And I can be all right for a day. He's like, I might want more, but I can be all right for a day. I can be good, comfortable for a day. And I was like, man, I looked, I'll never forget. I looked at him and I said, can you shoot? He's like, yeah, you can shoot. And he didn't shoot. He didn't shoot. He didn't shoot up. And um, he's like, yeah, you can shoot. But I was like, man, I'm about to have a little bit of that to shoot. He said, are you sure, bro? I was like, yeah, just a little bit, though. Because by this time now, I was already shooting up, you know, well shooting up. Pro at it this time. I was a pro by this time. And uh, I never forget, I said, I don't miss. I had somebody say, no, because I, I mean, I ain't, I'm going to be honest with you. I had a few weeks when you get me shooting up, so. and which I, you don't never do, okay? Because you don't want to be responsible for taking nobody's life or helping take someone's life, you know. You don't want to be responsible for that. You don't want that that kind of burden over your head for the rest of your life, and um, yeah, I, I, I he's like okay, so he put me a little bit in the spoon, and you know, uh, I did it, and I loved it. Yeah, I would be a liar if I sit on this podcast today and tell you I did not love it, but I loved it. I enjoyed. I did, I enjoyed it. And that's why I became an addict. <laughs> that's why I'm an addict, because I do like, you know, I, I didn't become an addict overnight. You know, there was traumas and depressions, and depression being number one factor in my life that rooted my, that, that rooted me into that path. And I think God allowed me to go through that path so that I could, you know, sit here today talking to you you know, conquering that and being who I am now and, and you know, uh, you know, fearless, <laughs> let's say fearless. Uh, I have conquered my depression, conquered my fear, and I'm here today and now, you know, three years sober and I am doing amazing. I have an amazing life. Um, I am still reaping uh, consequences from my action as an addict. I'm still dealing with that and will be for many years to come. Um, but, you know, it didn't It didn't kill me. You know, I may have played chicken with my life every time I stuck a needle in it, but, you know, God gave me a chance to be here today and to let you know that there is a better path. And 
you know, I spent many years, many years shooting that dope in my arm. Um, I even got to a point where I started missing cocaine and I was making cocktails, uh, speed bombs, what we call it, cocktails of, you know, a mixture of heroin and cocaine together. And just living on the edge. That's what an addict does. They live on the edge. And, and you know, nobody wants to die. And every time you stick that needle in your arm, or, you know, however you take it or do it or, you know, whatever, you take that chance. Um, you, you're living on the edge. You take that chance. You know, it could be your very last time. And it took me down a path that, you know, that I never thought that I would ever, ever wound up in my life. Uh, went from a minister to having and being successful to absolutely nothing, to wind up in jail over some a total lies, to to wind up in jail, spend a year in jail over a lie that that because of a drug uh, addiction and a drug deal gone bad, and you know, so it took me a long time to get to rock bottom, but when I landed in jail, I hit rock bottom, and. Uh, I had nowhere else to go. I had nothing else. I was, I was, I lost everything. Me and my girls separated. I lost everything. I lost my house, cars, my driving license, everything. I didn't care. I didn't care about nothing anymore. I was, all I cared about was getting high. I mean, it wasn't that I didn't love my family, and it wasn't that I didn't love, you know, my friends, my girl, it wasn't that. I didn't hate anybody. It's just I wanted to be high. I liked being high, and that's what I did. That's who I became. And before I knew it, you know, that I've heard so many people say, um, you know, I can control. I can do a little bit every day, and I'm good. I can control my habits. But that's just it. If you have to do a little bit every day to maintain, then you ain't got a control of your habit. You never can control. That's just it. It's controlling you. And it's letting you think and believe that you're controlling it. When absolutely you're not. You have no control over it. Uh, you know, and, and that that's what it does. It takes everything from you. It takes everything away from you. It makes you it, it makes you forget about your 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 principles and all those things in, in life. So but there's a way back from that. I, I wanted to just share a little bit of, of my story with you today. And, you know, this is my first episode, my first time I've ever done a podcast. So bear with me. And I hope you I hope you get something out of it that 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 you can come back from anything. If I can went from having to nothing, rock bottom and work my way back up now, I promise you you can you can conquer anything in your life if you just set your mind to it. Reach out to Dave somebody. 
and, and, and ask for help. You've got to acknowledge you have a problem before you can ever, ever fix the problem. And you got to want help to get it. And I promise you, all those people you think hate you, don't want to do with you, they love you. And then when you're ready to be helped, they're going to be right there willing to help you. They just can't be a part of what you're doing. So I challenge you to reach out and ask for help. I hope you enjoyed this one episode. We're going to continue this on the next episode. Um, but send me a message. Uh, I, I want to hear from my, my, my fans. I want to hear from you. I want to hear your thoughts. And if you'd like to to share your story a little bit or a shout out on the podcast, send me a message. Um, we're just we're just excited about what 2020 is holding. This is our year. We're taking back everything we've lost and we're making our lives 10 times better than it ever was and i'm looking forward to it i'm looking forward to sharing my thoughts and my feelings and my opinions with you as well as the world's and just remember that it's not the end of the road on our next episode we're going to talk about how i came back and how i got to where i'm doing and uh what what it took to get back there and you know so i want you to i want you to Make sure that if you need help, that you reach out today to somebody and ask for it. Help is just an ask away. That's all. Just a call away. You know? Hey, I'll be glad to help you. So drop me a message. I want to hear from you. I want to thank you for just taking the time to tune in and listen to us today. And just know that you're not alone in this world and that people love you. God loves you. And you can do anything you want to do in this life. It's not too late yet. So never look in the mirror and say it's too late for me because I used to do that all the time. You're not what you used to be. You're not what they call you. It's what you answer to. And this is Jay Money signing off. Just saying.